Hello and welcome to The Sharpest Tool, where we take the sting out of marketing by bringing you all the things that we do on a day-in and day-out basis in the marketing space. My name is Josh, and I'll be leading the charge here today, but I brought somebody along with me that I'm really excited about. This is Steve Levitt, who is running our West Coast sales team out here at Scorpion, and he brings a lot of great background and advice. I'm just excited to pick his brain. So, Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Yeah, you bet. So, today we're talking about something that I think challenges a lot of home service professionals today, their their sales cycle and Mm -hmm. and the sales organizational development, developing a sales team that's actually going to work for them to help their business grow and scale. We know that the the sales model is a bit different. The CSRs are constituted as salespeople in some instances. The uh, techs are salespeople. They go into the home and they have to actually convert the ticket. It's not just about diagnosing the job. They got to actually (laughs) make sure that they're getting paid for it. That's right. So I think there's a very interesting challenge that we face today. So uh, give us a little, just a little bit of background in terms of what you've seen in your experience in your career and that brings you to where you're at today and how small, medium, and businesses are really growing. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So typically sales seems to be the one thing that most people think they can do, but often is the least invested in and in many cases, the least trained in. Important to remember that there's a certain set of skills you need to have to be in sales and choose that lifestyle to (laughs) live your life and your professional career, studying the art and the science of sales. So Oftentimes we want to, as owners, do this ourselves, you know, not necessarily hand off the reins because it's scary, right? Yeah. Certainly is the lifeblood of the company. Typically, in my experience, it's been the owner who's been primarily the breadwinner, primarily the person that creates opportunities for the company. And it's scary to let go of that. Yeah. So having a clear path to being able to do that and investing in it matters and is the key to success. Sure. And how would you say you scale appropriately from a small, medium business world? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And that that is the number one thing that I have heard is when do I do it? How do I do it? So when is one of those things where you kind of just know, right? Yeah. You just know, my gosh, I'm spending way more time working in the business than on the business. Yeah. And I have to start working on my business or we're not going to grow. And many customers that I've worked with are challenged because they don't have a good set of, to begin with, really numbers or KPIs or goals. We can call them whatever we want, whereby we say we are trying to reach X number of jobs, tickets, revenue, whatever it happens to be. It's a great place to start. What do you want to do? I want to pull it back for a minute because you mentioned something that might be a little abstract for some of these business owners. And and that's, you you mentioned working in the business versus working on the business. What's the distinction between the two? Sure. Great question. Think of it this way, Josh. I know that my differentiator, perhaps as a plumber, is that I know high-pressure water systems better than anybody else. Sure. I'm making it up. I There's a certain amount of vocabulary and things that I know what to say and how to do on a call with a prospect or a client that I have to eventually get my team to be able to say, do, and understand mm-hmm. those things. It further multiplies by... The number of questions to ask. When do you ask the right kind of questions around? What problems are you having? Are you having these other problems? And many people tend to just do the work rather than take the time. And that's called working in the business. Well, let me just go do it because oftentimes we get, oh my God, it's just easier if I go do it rather (laughs) than explain it to somebody else. I don't have time. Yeah. Well, 
carving out that time to say, wait a minute, what are those 10 key things that I really need to have any one of my techs, anyone, any one of my intake people, whoever it might be in my small business, they need to know and ask these questions because it's going to lead me down the road sure. of being able to position what we do in the right way. Yeah. That right? makes a lot of sense. That, uh, that documenting the process is more what I consider working on the business than actually doing correct. the work. Got it. I appreciate the distinction. I think that, yeah, that's a lot more approachable. And the, it brings up a word that was kept popping in my head, and this idea of duplication, <laughs> you know, this idea of replication. One of the biggest challenges for business owners today, it seems to me, might this idea of replicating yeah. a process, replicating a person. <laughs> right. Because right. you know, it all rests and lies with that the business owner. And now all of a sudden you got to make another person like you to right. do exactly what, to make it. What are some principles that business owners can apply to making that transition successful? That is what lies between, a, you know, a small business owner and a medium business owner. Sure. Right. And running more, more crews, more trucks, more jobs than that terrible feeling of just, oh, I can't get to the next thing. I can't get to the next job. I can't yeah. find that person. So the question I think is really, how do I go from me doing it to finding someone else that can do it? And that's what I was starting to talk about earlier is really knowing what it means. Okay, I need to have X number of jobs sold or mm -hmm. revenue booked. And that's that's what I'm searching for. Yeah. Then breaking out, well, what are the right types of accounts that I need to have that or ideal clients that we should or should not be working with? What sort of solutions or collateral or material or what do we want to say to them? Who should I have on my team? Who should be responsible for this? And then what do I want them to do? Daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, right? And then how do I make sure they're doing it? We could probably do a whole series of podcasts about <laughs> each one of those things, right? Yeah. Because they all get very deep very quickly. But at the very level, if, if you can set goals, figure out who you want to work with, right? Understand what you want to say to those ideal clients, sure. right? Figure out who you should have doing it what you want them to be doing yeah. regularly and measurably, and then how you can look into whether they're doing that or not from a management perspective will at least give you a roadmap to understand, okay, I need to get, I need to hire two more crews. In order to do that, I need 50 more jobs per X period of time. Sure. And we're going to do that by focusing on these right types of clients yep. that we know we can help. And here's what we're going to say to those kinds of clients as to why we're better or mm -hmm. what our unique proposition is in the market. And then figure out, well, who's the right people to do it? Oftentimes, it may be the tech. It may not be, yeah. depending on the size of your firm. Totally. It may be someone in the office. Oftentimes, as the owner, it's easy to just say, no, it's me. Mm -hmm. And that's the case for many reasons. One, the buck stops with you, always. But you know the business. You've done every job. You know how to sell. Yeah. And there's a certain level of accountability there. Right? Yeah. Creating that culture on a sales team is important. I believe placing someone in charge of it, finding someone that has that responsibility as their primary focus in the company, it has to start there. And that's scary as heck. Yeah. Absolutely. Because suddenly I'm now asking you to be the mini me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. Uh, you're not there yet. So it requires investment in that person yeah. and helping them get up to speed and what it, all the things I just mentioned, maybe having them shadow you, understand what you need to do. 
but also setting clear direction about sure. here's where we're going. What's, what's necessary? You mentioned sales culture. What's necessary for a thriving sales culture? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we tend to do a pretty good job of this at Scorpion, I got to say. Yeah. Um, well, to me, the most important thing that salespeople really want to feel is that they are playing a game they can win, Yeah. period. In my career, you know, there's been times where I knew I can go hit my number and it was super easy. Then there were times where I was playing a game that even if I did everything right, I couldn't get there. Mm -hmm. And no fun. Yeah. Bad for morale. Stretch goals, but hey, we're crushing it. We're doing it. We're getting there. This isn't easy. I'm earning it. Mm -hmm. To me is where it starts. So back to the first piece about yeah. setting goals. Realistic goals, attainable goals for the business. You're not going to suddenly go from running one crew to 50 crews in, in a quarter or two. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you are, but probably not. So let's have a meaningful game that we can play and we, we share in the success and the victory of that. Mm -hmm. so, and having that line of sight gets salespeople engaged, excited, and focused. And also feeling like they're supported and have the other things I mentioned, right? Hey, we do know how we talk to clients. Here is what you should say. Here is the right type of client. These, this is what you need to go get in the market. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we'll put, we'll hire the cheapest resource we can find sure. that has a good personality, stick them on the phones and say, go do it. Sure. What's your recommendation, would you say, for companies who strictly deal with salespeople who are responsible for all aspects of the sales process versus having a supportive administrative staff um, do you find one to be more successful than the other? If so, why? Yeah, good question. Um, it's not a simple answer. Earlier, um, earlier in this stage of a sales team, it's my opinion, easier and better to have one purpose, one person doing it all. Sure. As you want to grow and get larger and scale, mm -hmm. we use that term around here a lot. Scale can be tricky. You have to specialize. Yeah. So, if you're adding one or two salespeople as truly as individual professional sellers start there, listen to them, ask them what they need to do more. But then when you feel like, hey, they're consistently performing, usually I suggest we recommend someone that can help set appointments for that person. Yeah. Once that person is able to demonstrate that they can bring us more jobs, bring us more tickets, bring us more sales, whatever, however we measure it in our goals, what we want to start to do is specialize. The next person I would typically hire would be an appointment setter or a cold caller yeah. to put that position person in a position to sell more. Then add another salesperson. Mm -hmm. That ratio gets tricky, but you'll find that as you scale, you need to specialize. Yeah. Same thing goes for inbounds or referrals and making sure they're the right fit. Yeah, definitely. It, it, you mentioned uh, finding the right people. <laughs> to, to, that yeah. was, I think is always tricky in in the sales world. So, um, obviously, in the home services arena, yeah. uh, a lot of the techs like, they go into the house and then they diagnose and effectively sell on why they need to allow them to fix it. Right. Sure. So, what do you think from that aspect of a tech's job? Um, what should be considered when when hiring techs? Or what, if you have a tech already that maybe isn't strong in that area, what qualities should be considered in training those people in? Yeah, great, great question. Um, good people are, are super hard to find. Mm -hmm. They don't come to you. You got to go find them, yeah. uh, plain and simple. 
um, we look for people that are already working most of the time. I think that ideally what you will start to notice is the same techs that are, that are rising to the top are probably doing a couple of things. They're probably doing a lot of listening and being a bit empathetic with whoever our clients are to really deeply understand, well, what, it, why is this a problem for you? Okay, I got it. And I, I am confident now that I am going to solve this problem for you. I'm going to quote, kill the problem for you. Sure. End quote. That gives me as a buyer, a level of trust and comfort that you're not here to just take my money and get out and come back in three yeah. months and do the same job over again. We have a saying here, no listen, no trust, no trust, no sale. So your top techs are probably really going in, listening to the client, talk about what's going on, understanding why that's a problem, and then adding their professional layer of problem solving and bringing their knowledge set to bear on the problem. Say, well, look, here's what you probably need to do. I know it's frustrating. You could either band-aid this or you could kill the problem and that's going to cost substantially more. Yeah, Understanding that component may be another way to go scale. Right. So suddenly now you've got people in the field booking jobs and not necessarily turning wrenches. Yeah. And that's how we can do it. It's scary because I'm there and now there's a cost to going back out. Mm-hmm. Again, back to the goals. If you've got goals that said we need to do X more jobs, is it, you know, is it realistic? As you're starting out, it probably makes sense for you to have one person doing move into that role. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I'm going to ask you the age old question. Marketing and sales. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. If anyone can let me know, that'd be great. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's been interesting over the last few years, especially I've tend to come from more of a B2B background, but I do know that sales and marketing now more than ever are so closely married together that it's hard to separate them. Yeah. Consumers are showing up to all sorts of buying cycles with far more information, with far more research, comp, you know, competitive analysis done, even for things as simple as finding an electrician, yeah. solving my problem. They're more educated. The key component here is just making sure that when the salesperson finally talks to a new client or prospect, they're saying the similar things that the marketing team has said to them. So if I tell you the car's costs X in my radio or TV commercial, but I show up and it's really Y, we start to erode trust. Yeah. No listen, no trust, no trust, no sale. So making sure there's that alignment between sales and marketing is so, so critical now. Make sure that who you're targeting, what you're saying, how you're saying it is backed up by your salespeople. Yeah. Now, where we get into trouble oftentimes as companies is we want to grow. However, we haven't taken the time to make sure that what I said earlier about the solutions or the sales collateral is aligned all the way from marketing to sales. If we're not saying the same thing and the salespeople have goals that are different, suddenly you, you, you have an opportunity to create bad behavior. And we want to avoid that at all costs. It may seem like the right thing to do in the short term. It is not. Yeah. It is 100% not. So consistency is the key for them making sales and marketing working together. Absolutely. Because it's, there's no friction for me to just turn right back around and say, this didn't work for me as a customer. These, this is not the right firm. Therefore don't use them. Now the next marketing and sales experience someone has with me is 
maybe a little more challenging. <laughs> Let's leave it there. That's awesome, Steve. Well, I want to wrap this up with a nice cool. bow here. If there's one thing that you think would allow a home service business make a strong impact when it comes to their sales right now, what would you suggest that be? I would have to say the one thing they can do in order to make an impact with their sales efforts is to really set a goal for being where you want to be in, in mm. at X period of time. Yeah. And then, so we always say, start with the end in mind. I want to be at X number of jobs or trucks or crews or yeah. revenue. Doesn't matter. Start there. Work your way back into how. How are you going to do that from a sales perspective, from a marketing perspective? If you're driving demand in marketing, how are you going to answer that demand from a sales team? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Steve, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All good. And if you're enjoying all of this awesome content, definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you might be so you can get more of all the goodness we're bringing your way. Once again, my name is Josh and this is The Sharpest Tool. We'll talk to you then. Bye. 